The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. Well, thank you for joining us today on Truth and Love Radio. This is Pastor Sharam Hadian with you. As always, I'm grateful that you're with us. I'm grateful for your support of our ministry, the Truth and Love Ministry. And folks, um, I haven't been on the air for a while. Uh, I know that you've probably noticed that uh, we've not had some radio shows in uh, several weeks now. And uh, many of you are aware um, of uh, a loss that my wife and I experienced uh, just a few weeks ago. And I wanted to just speak about that uh, briefly, if you were not aware of what happened with us. Um, also, just been struggling with some physical things, and uh, so appreciate your prayers. But uh, um, it, it's good to be back on the air. It's good to be back with you. Uh, several weeks ago, um, we, uh, you, you may or may not know, but uh, my wife and I, Michelle, we have uh, four children. We're blessed uh, by the Lord to have four beautiful, incredible children, and and we've had four um, just healthy pregnancies. Uh, with all of our children, uh, we know other families who have had, uh, uh, you know, four or five children, three, four or five children. And, and, uh, once you get to that, to that number, sometimes, uh, as many of you out there may know, uh, you tend to have a higher risk, uh, of miscarriages. And so, but we, we've been very fortunate in that sense. And, uh, we were, <clears throat> my wife was expecting our fifth baby um, she was about, uh, just shy of 12 weeks along in her pregnancy and, uh, several weeks ago. And actually I was scheduled to be speaking, uh, the third week of June in going back to Wisconsin and Minnesota. So it was a pretty intense trip that was scheduled the weekend leading up to that. Uh, she began to have some bleeding and subsequently Monday morning had to go in for an emergency, um, ultrasound to uh to find out the status of the baby and uh sadly uh, she she saw and 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 this is uh the part that's hard for me personally because I was not able to be with her there because I was again I was supposed to be getting ready to leave that Monday for Wisconsin for Minnesota and Wisconsin to speak uh, I had uh, several speaking engagements lined up to go back to that area and um, she called me and said, yeah, you know, the, we've, we lost the baby. Uh, they found that the baby had no heartbeat. And um, so, of course, we were grieved. Um, and uh, I was grieved that I could not be with her because I was literally getting ready to go to the airport. Uh, but I was fortunately able to, um, uh, I guess, change my flight uh, to postpone it to the next day. We had been praying about whether I should go or not because it was such short notice. And for those of you who were scheduled to come to these speaking engagements in in the area of Wisconsin or Minnesota, um, you know, again, our, our apologies for these circumstances. Uh, I have never had to cancel uh, speaking engagements like this. And because it was such short notice, after a lot of prayer that night and, and getting 
to be with my family, uh, my wife and my kids, uh, we decided that we'll try to make it a go because it was going to be too hard to cancel. Well, the funny thing was I had really felt that I was supposed to be home, obviously, um, that I needed to be home with my, with my family, but uh, we, we made a decision to, to, make, to give it a shot. But I think the Lord had other plans because the next day when I was at the airport ready to leave, um, I was literally about to board the plane. And the pilot comes out and says, we just had a warning light come on, and so we need to bring the mechanics in. Well, they bring the mechanics in, and the mechanic says, there's some part that is malfunctioned, and we need to you know, send this, get this part. We don't have it here. We have to get it from Salt Lake City, which was um, the closest hub for Delta. So uh, the pilot comes back out and announces that the flight uh, is going to be delayed at least by three or four hours. Well, that meant that my presentation Tuesday night in Eau Claire could not happen. I was not going to get there. And uh, subsequently, uh, my wife and I then decided that we do need to cancel the rest of the week. I really felt that that was the Lord's grace. You know, there's times, and I was speaking of this with our church body here in Spokane several weeks ago, and we, we, we had been, I had been doing a series of teachings on the working of the Holy Spirit and, and talking about how there's times where we know the Scripture tells, tells us that the Holy Spirit opens doors for us, that, that, that God opens doors for us to go, and the Holy Spirit must lead us in the way that we shall go. The Holy Spirit opens those opportunities, makes it clear. Well, there are times in Scripture we know, especially from the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit also closes opportunities, stops us from going. How many times that we see that the Spirit of God spoke to Paul and said, do not go here, but go here. And I really felt it was one of those moments where the Lord was saying, no, you are not to go. This is not the time. You need to be with your wife and with your four children, mourning and grieving. So it was a lesson for me because I am, I don't know about you, but I am obviously a very strong personality. I am a, I am a go-getter. I, I am, you know, resting is hard for me. Doing is easy for me. You know, I'm a doer. So there are those moments where the Lord sort of makes us sit down, makes us rest, makes us stop. So, it was a very blessed week, uh, that particular week, but it was also a very difficult week, obviously just allowing ourselves to grieve for us. And again, I know that there are those out there uh, who have gone through worse, much worse, because uh, we know families, particularly in our homeschool co-op, who have had multiple miscarriages. But for us, it was our first one. And so forever, I will be the dad of five, uh, forever the Lord allowed me to have five children, and and if the Lord has my wife and I uh, for her to become pregnant again, that's in his hands, and if not, so be it, but we're grateful for those 12 weeks that we had with our baby, and um, we know that uh, he or she is in, is in the Lord's hands, is in heaven, that uh, we will one day be able to see um, the fruit of that when, when, when I am there in glory one day with the Lord. So this is the good news of the gospel, that we know that God is the author of life. God is uh, the one who holds our lives in his hands. Our days are ordained. 
And so therefore, this was um, his choosing for whatever reason. So thank you guys for your prayers. We had so much support on behalf of Michelle, myself, our family, our ministry. Thank you for all of those, all of you out there who prayed for us, who sent cards, who sent donations to the ministry, personal donations, uh, just, uh, but, but again, the most important thing was your prayers because that is what has uh, gotten us through the last three or four weeks, allowed us to, to really grieve and heal and, and also rejoice and, and, and be grateful for the, the beautiful children that we do have physically in front of us um, and, and just trust the Lord more. It, it, it's been a time of trusting the Lord even more. So I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm hopefully I'm back. Um, then well, the funny thing was, is that I was ready to re- start recording again last week. And um, I was hit last Tuesday with a terrible tooth infection. Uh, I have a, one of my tooth, I have had a root canal years ago. One of the roots got infected apparently. And I've had this just horrible infection that has just been extremely painful for a number of days. The antibiotics that eventually I had to go on didn't work. And so uh, actually starting today, I, I'm on another set of antibiotics, but I really felt that it was time to uh, record again. So thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, I hope that you will stay with us uh, and, and continue to promote the shows and continue to share them and listen and continue to pray for us, please, in the ministry. We have a busy fall coming up, lots of uh, stuff going on. Uh, so it's a little bit of a lull right now. Uh, we want to get some shows and, and get cover some things, but we have we know have, we have a busy season coming up uh, with that. So uh, thank you for standing with us. And, um, and again, most importantly, I can't say enough for your prayers and for the graciousness of our God. Uh, God has been merciful to us. God has been gracious to us. He's a loving God. Well, uh, let's jump in. Uh, thank you for allowing me those uh, eight or nine minutes to share uh, our journey um, and and uh, just you know being able to share about our, our family and our situation. But let's jump in. I want <clears throat> to cover a, a topic that really should not just be a topic, but again, it should be at the heart of what the church is, is about and is doing and, and what the church should be focused on. That is that as we are committed to fulfilling the Great Commission, the church is really here for three things, three primary missions. One is to love and glorify God, right? Our number one calling is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength is to bring glory to his name, is to worship him. That's the number one reason we are here. And if we lose sight of that, and if we put the world and the love of the world, uh, or even the love of the lost ahead of the love of our God, uh, I believe we will be imbalanced in the church as the church is today. Number two, we are here to equip the saints. The The work of the, of the, of the ministry of the church is to equip the saints. Our number one ministry is not to reach the lost. Our number one uh, ministry, ministry, that is, beyond even ministering to the Lord, is to minister to one another in the body and equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that we can send out. And number three, 
is then the fulfilling of the Great Commission to go out into the nations to 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 bring those who do not know Christ not only to salvation but to discipleship, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded us. So I believe these are the three primary functions of the church. Well, within that, um, as we seek to fulfill the Great Commission and equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to love God, we are seeing, and we have seen, of course, since the beginning of the church, but we're seeing today perhaps the greatest persecution in the history, numerically, that is, in the history of the church. So I have put together a brand new presentation that is on the heels of our Trojan Horse of Interfaith Dialogue. Again, if you do not have a copy of the Trojan Horse of Interfaith Dialogue, I hope you will see that that Interfaith Dialogue is an absolute Trojan Horse and it is an absolute compromise not only of the Great Commission but of the Gospel of Jesus Christ itself. It is a must-see presentation. It is our most important work to date. And so I highly encourage, if you have not gotten a copy or copies of that DVD, go to our website. If you're already on our website, just go to the order uh, tab, click on that, and, and, and you can order the DVD there. If you are not on our website and you're listening on Worldview Weekend, go to tilproject.com, tilproject.com, and uh, order the DVD there. Now, on the heels of that, one of the things that I talk about in the Trojan Horse of Interfaith Dialogue presentation is the fact that there are there is a growing civil war that is brewing within the church, and I use the word church, you know, with quotes loosely, and the civil war is between true Bible-believing Christians and those who are false, fraudulent, and the fraudulent Christians, the fake church, the false church, and the interfaith movement, which is really unbiblical and erroneous, is actually feeding and will be complicit and is complicit in the persecution of true Christians. And we are seeing this all over the world, particularly in America, when you have the polls showing that the majority of Democrats, women, young people, uh, the so-called neo-evangelical, um, the progressive church, right? We, we hear this progressive church. The progressive church, the liberal churches, the mainstream denominations, and, and, and maybe some well-known evangelicals are putting forth a narrative that it is not Christian persecution that we should be worried about, but it is Muslim persecution that we should be worried about, that it is Muslims who are being mistreated worse in America and around the world than Christians. And this is preposterous. It is delusional. It is twisted. It is demonic. It is evil to its core, this argument. Because not only... Does that not bear out scripturally with what the Bible warns us about persecution? But it does not bear out factually with what we're seeing around the world. And that's what I want to bring attention to. So we have a brand new presentation 
that is titled Hated for the Cause of Christ, the Rise of Islam, and the Growing Christian Persecution. And I want to begin to, on this show and subsequent shows, break down, spend several shows just just giving you an overview. We have not yet recorded this presentation. I've only actually given it just a couple of times. I just recently uh, presented it in uh, Nampa, Idaho. But we are going to be giving it more. And, And certainly if you are interested in your area, if your church, if your pastor is interested in this timely presentation, either the Trojan Horse of Interfaith Dialogue or this new presentation, Hated for the Cause of Christ, let us know. Email us at info, I-N-F-O, at T-I-L-Project.com, and Lord willing, we would love to come and share this presentation in person. But we have not yet recorded it. Uh, We always want to be able to share it a number of times, hone it, really pray for the Holy Spirit to just make it just exactly what it needs to be uh, to the best of our ability so that it is potent. It is um, something that can be used as a, as a, uh, as a tool for, again, equipping Christians and preparing them for the days ahead. So starting this presentation, I, w- I want to start with Scripture, and I want to start with what the Word of God tells us about persecution and why it is that, that, that I've titled this presentation what I have, Hated for the Cause of Christ. First of all, let's start with Matthew 5, chapter, uh, in, in, in uh, verse 10. Matthew 5, uh, verse 10. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Now, there are some who are persecuted when you're being unrighteous, but when you're walking in God's righteousness and you're persecuted, then then Scripture tells us that you are blessed. We are blessed for we would inherit the kingdom of heaven. We understand the kingdom of heaven. Um, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So question for you. Do you desire, as a brother and sister in Christ, to live a godly life in Jesus Christ? So if you raised your hand, guess what? Paul's telling us, and Paul told Timothy, you're not, it's not a maybe you'll be persecuted, you will be persecuted. And it's interesting, if you go to the Greek and look at, look at the, uh, uh, the tense of the will be in the Greek, you'll see that it's an active verb. So it's not you were persecuted, uh, you w- might be persecuted. No, you will be persecuted, active tense, meaning it's going to be an ongoing persecution. It will continue. So, so let me say it this way. If we're going to live for Christ and live godly in Christ particularly, we are going to actively be persecuted in, in various forms. Now, when I became a Christian, those of you who know my testimony, I was immediately, you know, experienced some persecution mild, I would say it's mild, but persecution because I uh, was ostracized by my family. I was disowned. So within three days of becoming a Christian, I told my parents that I became a Christian, that I had left Islam, and even though my dad and my mom were more culturally Muslim, yet my dad still disowned me, 
I was really dead to him in many ways. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it was uh, mild persecution. Then subsequently after that, um, I have uh, now, let's see, I've been a Christian for over 19 years. I, I, I do not to this day have a relationship with my sister or my brother uh, because the, the more that I have walked in my Christian faith and, and stood for uh, Christ, the more, <clears throat> you know, that has caused the rift. So we will be persecuted. It's a guarantee. Let's, let's look at two more. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one member of the body suffers, then all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So, so if we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are being persecuted around the world, in Europe, in here in North America, wherever, wherever it's happening, then we should suffer with them. That means that we should be not only aware of this, but we should actually be be grieved by it. We, we should be impacted by it. Now you go, well, Sharam, why would you want to be grieved? Well, obviously we don't want to be grieved, but we need to be grieved. We need to feel and we need to experience and we need to pray and we need to rejoice with them and we need to suffer with them. Now, the final one that I want to cover for you is in the book of John, chapter 15. Because this is the passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, that, and this is where uh, the title of our presentation comes. Jesus says in John fifteen eighteen to the disciples, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Now remember, context, right? John chapter 14, Jesus is giving the message to his disciples. They're about to go into the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper, after the Passover meal. He's telling the, them that he is about to be to, to go into suffering. He is about to be arrested and 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 killed. He he is he is praying obviously in preparation for you know uh, that 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 the Holy Spirit that will come will prepare them for what is ahead. And this is a shock. This is I, I can't tell you how difficult this would have been for these for these disciples. Because they, many of them, have a wrong worldview. They were expecting Jesus at that time to come and set up the kingdom on earth for Israel. And they did not understand that the worldview was he was there as a suffering servant, not yet as a conquering king. The conquering king part is what we're waiting for. We are waiting for our conquering king. We're no longer waiting for a suffering servant. So he's preparing them for what is to come. And they are getting, um, they're, they're drinking out of a fire hydrant, folks. They are just, they, they have to be floored. So now he's preparing them for the persecution that is ahead of them. So he says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Let me say that last line again. Because I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. The world detests. This is a deep-seated spiritual hatred. 
Now we have to remember that our, that the hatred is not necessarily against an individual flesh and blood. So if somebody is hating me, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but this is a spiritual hatred. It's a demonic hatred. Uh, but yet, you know, Satan is manifesting through uh, those individuals that would hate us or, or seek to do us harm or persecute us or even want to kill us. But Jesus is warning and preparing his disciples. I don't know how much more clear cut you can get. I don't know how much more harsh you can get and yet speaking in love the truth. So this is an example of truth and love. They needed to hear this truth in love, but yet it is rocking their world. Completely devastating, turning upside down their worldview. So if the world hates you, know that it is doing it because it hated me, Jesus says. And because you're not of it, they're going to hate you. I mean, I don't know how much more clear cut it can get. So here's my here's a couple of questions, first of all, and then we'll get into the persecution aspect. So my number one question is, why do we witness a a emergent church today, a, uh, uh, you know, post, quote unquote, postmodern, social gospel driven church that is acting like it is a desperate prostitute trying to love the world trying to to win the love of the world the world is telling it that no matter how much you try we will hate you we will not love you even if you do what we want you to do we're still going to hate you it's not enough kind of kind of like with um uh president trump kind of similar to that in one sense that no matter what he does those who hate him including some Christians, are going to hate hate him. No matter what he does, they're going to hate him. He could bend over backwards, they're going to hate him. Well, as Christians, no matter what we do, unless God gives us favor, the world will hate us. That's what it's saying. And that's the hallmark of, of, of preparing for persecution. Because if we get to the point where we recognize that this is the foundation that we have to build our faith on, then we can prepare ourselves better for persecution. If we're not prepared for this foundation, we will then not be prepared for the persecution that is to come, that is coming and that is to come. So on the next show, I will begin to dig in, number one, why it is that, you know, well, let me first say that we're going to get into the to the actual facts of the persecution and number two, look at looking at details. Number two, why is there a connection between the rise of Islam and growing persecution of Christians, and you can add to that uh, uh, growing anti-Semitism against Jews? So th- that's a very important question. So it's not just the fact that we're going to numerically look at the persecution and examples of the persecution and resources and so forth and so on, but we're going to look at the connection between that and Islam. So again, thank you for being with us today on the program. Thank you for letting me share a little bit of our journey as a family and and, and uh, our heart and our grief and our and our joy in the Lord. God is sovereign. God is on his throne. And um, uh, if you're hated for the cause of Christ, you are blessed because uh, he is worthy of, 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 of our love and our adoration and our obedience. We'll see you on the program next time. Don't miss, don't miss our next show. Thank you for joining us. 
Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.